those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome, everybody. This is Room Tone, the radio show. I'm Roger, your host, and here we are on 100.5 FM Cop Radio, talking movies because we love it. And here we are today <clears throat> with a little bit of a cold, but uh, uh, we are here talking movies. Uh, everybody raise your hands because we have a, a little bit of a special guest today. So everybody raise your hands for Luvia Pearson. How are you doing, Luvia? I'm so good. And that introduction was amazing. I wish that clapping hands would happen every time someone says my name. <laughs> <laughs> we work on that. We okay. work on that. All right. Well. Thank you for joining us here at Room Tone Radio Show. Um, here we go, 33rd episode of Talking Movies here in Vancouver, downtown Eastside. Let me ask you, for the people out there who don't know you, who are you? Who is Luvia Peterson? Um, well, I guess one could say I'm an actress, um, I'm a business owner, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a friend, I'm an activist. Uh, I'm very passionate about everything that I do and everything I take on. And I guess, most importantly, I'm a human being flying on a planet in the middle of the universe. <laughs> there you go. That's quite an introduction right there. All right. Well, um, let's head dive right into it. Let me ask you why you're here. What happened to you recently? Talking about... Uh, Yes, yes. So, Harold uh, Greenberg. Fine. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, I've been an actress for 15 years, but most recently I've wanted to get into directing. So I just found out that my team won the Harold Greenberg Fund. So for indie filmmakers out there, this means I'm getting $32,000 to make a short film, a 10-minute narrative film. So I'm very excited about this. That's uh, an incredible news, especially because it really shows there is a space for us as independent filmmakers, you know, and then there, there are people who are willing to support. So let's take another step back. Mm -hmm. You know, you said you're coming from acting, mm -hmm. right? So what was the journey and, and what is the journey for you coming from acting and stepping into filmmaking? Right. So I guess I was about 25 when I went to acting school. And um, I haven't let go since. My heart was cracked open, and I knew that this was something that I wanted to pursue. Um, fast forward 10 years later, I got my first series regular on a TV series, and I've worked fairly regularly since then. Um, yeah, so that's been my journey as an actor. And then as a director, um, that's happened probably in the last two to three years. I realized that I have a passion to tell story in a different way. And so um, this is my evolution. I, I'll never stop acting. However, I want to be able to do both. And, and I think there's a lot of examples of people that do both. 
Mm-hmm, for sure. Is there anyone in particular that you're looking up to in the film industry? Oh, man. Um, if my wife's listening right now, she totally knows the answer to this. <laughs> so I'm a big Jodie Foster fan, actually. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course, locally, um, you see actors like Amanda Tapping who've gotten into directing. Um, so there's a lot of examples out there for filmmakers or for, for actresses like me who want to get into the director's chair. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Lubia. Now, Let's go back to that uh, Harold Greenberg Fund and yeah. how the process, how it all took place and how did you even hear about that in the first place? Well, first of all, I've applied for quite a few grants as most indie filmmakers do and I was starting to believe that grants were like, you know, made up stories, like <laughs> fairies in the woods that no one knows where the unicorns are. Um, so I was extremely grateful and surprised to receive the fund. I was approached by um, a writer in Vancouver, her name's Hula Lander, and she has this great short film script, and she's got this great feature film script. And we knew mutual colleagues, and so she sat down with me and said, what are your ideas? So essentially, we had coffee, and I pitched her my vision. And I guess my vision really resonated with her. So she said, you're the director I want for this application. We found a producer, uh, an up-and-coming producer, her name's Amanda Konkin, And the three of us put together a really tight package with the help of a mentor um, who's already produced a bunch of feature films, which is one of the requirements of the Harold Greenberg Fund. They want beginner filmmakers, but they want you under the guidance of an experienced mm-hmm. filmmaker. So our experienced executive producer is Liz Levine. Right on. Yeah. So uh, sounds like you really pitched them and, and brought them into your world with that idea. So what is that idea? Okay, great. So happiness is the story of a man who's living his best life with the help of a happiness app. Oh. Which he destroys once he finds out that the app is faulty. I see. Okay. This is a beautiful metaphor. You know, really, you can, you can explore a lot about humanity, especially in, in 2019. Absolutely. What, what motivated you to tell this story? Well, what connected me to the story was um, the struggle between feeling worthy of our achievements and not worthy. And for my lead character, Max, he has everything, right? Um, he's got a beautiful wife, a great job, and he's attained all these things using the app. The app tells him what decisions to make. Mm. When he finds out that the app is no more than, let's say, an eight ball, you know that thing that you shake that yeah. gives you your fortune? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he finds out that it's, you know, it's, it's really nothing more than that. Um, he starts to question everything he's achieved. And he starts to doubt it. Um, because down deep, he feels like he wasn't worthy of those achievements in the first place. And I really resonated with that. Same thing happened to me. I, when I booked my first series regular as an actress, I was like, oh, great. I'm super excited. Oh, my God. Do I deserve this? Interesting. And I feel that's a question that really um, pops up many times in life when, when in a city like Vancouver, you know, it's so dynamic and so bold. And uh, you always ask yourself, is this what I desire and do I deserve it? And I feel like there is a reason why you're there, you know? If you are there, there is a reason why you're there. And I feel it's important to embrace that opportunity, that possibility, and really take it a step forward and bring your best. And I guess you, you did. You definitely did because now it's been a long career for you in acting and you've also worked into theater with your own shows. How about those? Oh, yeah. So a uh, few years ago, some friends and I got together. They're all film and TV friends. And we thought, hey, we should do theater because that's what mm-hmm. actors do, right? They do theater. So we took a crack at it. We produced and directed our own play called Almost Maine, and it sold out before opening night at the Colch in East Van. 
um, and it was a wonderful experience. Nice. How do you see, where, and where do you see that line that separates acting for theater and film and television? Right. We were talking about this earlier, and mm -hmm. I, I mean, my experience was your focus level and the, the intensity level goes way up in theater because you can't go, oh, you know what? I flubbed up that line. Can we take that again? Mm -hmm. Whereas there's a net <laughs> in film and TV that kind of catches you. I mean, you have to get there eventually, but eventually can take a few takes. Uh, when you're on stage, opening night, that's it. So it's very liberating. It's, it's like free falling. You know what I mean? A theater is like jumping out of a really high plane. You have a parachute, mm -hmm. but like, who knows if it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely know what you're talking about yeah. when, when you talk about free falling. Have you ever tried? Yeah, I have, I've jumped out of a perfectly good plane. <laughs> oh, amazing. Give me a high five in the booth right there. <laughs> That's awesome right there. Well, how did you feel about it? How was it? Uh, you know what? It was really exciting while we were free falling, but I found as soon as the parachute was pulled, I was like, meh, meh. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. I, it was beautiful, but I was like, I wanted that adrenaline again. Yeah. You did the, the tandem, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Usually there is a, there is a feeling of, of, you know, when you're up there and you open the parachute, basically the sound, the soundtrack just goes down to a few layers with the sound of the chute going like this. And then you have the clouds just passing over and... And you're just lonely up there, you know, and yeah. it feels like you're you're entering the, the rooms of angels, you mm. know, just on your own after that shot of adrenaline. Incredible, incredible. And, you know, sometimes you need to do these leaps of faith in the film industry, you know, and, and really just just trust it. you got to trust the timing of your life. So if you're listening out there, you have any questions, trust the timing of your life. Awesome. There I we go. That. I love yeah. that. It's, ti film, it's timing, film and tempo, TV, music. Film and TV is a leap of faith. Mm -hmm. It really is in yourself. Right. I feel like my lead character, Max, in my short film needs to like listen to this <laughs> interview. <laughs> this is the advice he needs to hear. Where do you see the message in happiness in your in the short film that just got funded? By oh, my the... gosh. I mean, what's really important to us is not to talk about whether technology is good or bad. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't want to focus on the app being the um, antagonist. The true antagonist in this story is our protagonist. Mm. Max is his own worst enemy, and that's the message we want to portray. That's a really, really relevant uh, concept mm. right now mm -hmm. for what's happening with, with, you know, with technology as well. It's not necessarily, as you said, about technology, but technology definitely brings something different to the table that human, humanity is not used to probably yet. What's your take on the presence of technology and its impact that it has on what we desire? Look. Technology is no different than anything else that's been introduced to society. Alcohol, drugs, um, you know, we, we have these, these toys, if you will, that are introduced to society at, at different uh, times. And some people can sample it and walk away. You, you, you notice you and I are not drinking vodka right now. <laughs> we can, but we're not. We're, we've chosen to show up and connect. Hmm? There is definitely uh, there is definitely uh, uh, something so valuable, you know, in the idea, yeah. and that's the power of short films. The, the the power of short films is in the idea, you know. So I can see why really the the Harold Greenberg Greenberg Fund really wanted to support you because the idea is is really really good and it can be really relevant, you know, for who we are right now. That's when when are you gonna start shooting it? Oh well, they said you have to start shooting within six months of receiving the funds, and then they ask you to deliver the short film within a year. Oh, nice. Um, and in our acceptance letter, that was one of the points they made, is that this film is very now, 
like it's it's a story to be told now it's very relevant yeah yeah definitely you can say it out loud <laughs> and uh, you, uh, you're also not only uh, uh, directing uh, fiction short films but you're also into documentaries is that correct yeah that's awesome you gotta tell us about that for sure okay great so um i'm doing a documentary dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, can we do like sound effects uh <laughs> let me take a look you gotta okay. let's do it let's do it ready you ready i'm doing documentary on witches <laughs> oh, oh we had a second here amazing well it's something that is very 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 um i would say very um um Interesting because it, we don't, it's not really being talked about very much uh, in society in general. You know, it's something that somehow there is a darkness to it. Is, mm -hmm. the, is it, is it, do you feel it's correct to attribute that label to, to witchcraft? I think uh, witchcraft is across the board relatable in, in any different uh, aspect. So you can relate anything to witchcraft, really. That's what I'm enjoying about the documentary is every witch that we talk to all of them are saying the same thing. You have to find it within yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So this is akin to um, anything that you prescribe to in life that you're passionate about. At the end of the day, what rings true to you? Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, what is witchcraft to you? Ah, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get in there. Let's do it. Well, I like to think that I'm a very powerful manifester. And in that form, I am a witch. Mm -hmm. And so... For me, witchcraft is uh, a little bit of meditation. It's um, believing in myself. It's uh, exploring the shadowy parts of myself. Mm -hmm. This is a witchcraft term, shadow work. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and, and also communing with nature. So all the elements. Uh, so when I'm gardening, I'm doing witchcraft mm -hmm. when I'm going for a hike I'm doing a form of witchcraft I'm taking in the trees like so I think a lot of people are witches and they don't even know it okay this is a very <laughs> interesting take because um, uh, there's been a lot of misconception I feel also on what on what witchcraft could be mm -hmm. um, but again as you mentioned it's something so personal to the individuals right yeah. and I wanted to ask you how does the documentary approach the topic of witchcraft yeah, absolutely. So um, first, I have to start by saying the documentary started because my wife um, decided to do a 12 part photo series about witches. Amazing. She wanted to normalize the way people see witches. So that's going to be um, at Liquid Amber Tattoo, uh, October 2019. There will be a photo series on all these witches. Mm -hmm. I started listening to her talk to these witches and I thought, oh, my God, these conversations they're having are so relevant. I need to get a camera on these people. And that's how it started. So I roped in a friend of mine who's got all the camera gear and sound gear and uh, Derek Langer. Thank you, Derek. You're my angel. <laughs> and we started putting a camera on these conversations. These witches are uh, feminists, political activists, um, environmentalists, and they're all doing it through witchcraft. Mm -hmm. They're reclaiming um, space for themselves in this world and they're doing it through witchcraft so it's different for every single person i talk to interesting so the documentary is really going to head dive into into the personal journey as well of, of 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 what it would mean to be a witch yep is that correct and i i think when people watch these they are going to relate with one or more of these witches and go oh my god that's me uh, maybe i'm a witch maybe i, I could get into witchcraft 
that's a that's a it seems like an invitation in a way extend ex extending an invitation and, and breaking a prejudice maybe in a way as well you know and trying and reframe on yeah. which witchcraft is uh, amazing what's the name of the documentary it's called witches of vancouver coming out of the broom closet we have an instagram account that you can follow so i don't know if you'll post those at the end yeah we put okay. all of those links in the description of the podcast and uh that being said uh when do you plan to release the documentary is there a specific deadline there's no deadline which is great because we're <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm talking about <laughs> because you've done a documentary right um it's great because we can take our time with it and i'm letting it tell me what it is so at first i thought oh these are going to be 12 five minute interviews really quick really digestible and now i'm getting into the footage and i'm like maybe they're 10 minutes maybe I don't know what it's gonna be um, we might do a festival run we might speak to the knowledge network we might speak to NFB like I want to get a few in the can and then approach some producers and go what do I have here sounds good that's that sounds like a plan and usually it's an interesting journey to see you know where you can take your product and your story because the story becomes a product in a way in the vast and in the huge film industry, right? Yeah. And make that product become something impactful and valuable for viewers around the world. So that's a beautiful journey. And I wish you all the best because I feel like we need to bring more prejudice in 2019. There's too much bias around, too much bias. Yeah. So you mentioned about the event in October at the tattoo shop. What's the story behind the tattoo shop? Yes. Yeah, so 18 years ago, I started a tattoo studio with my business partner. And now we've got, it's right here. It's like we, we walked right by it on our way to the studio. Mm -hmm. It's in Gastown. And so we do tattoos. And recently, we've started developing the art gallery portion of our tattoo studio. So the last Friday of every month, we put down the tattoo machines, we push the beds aside, and we open to the public so they can come in and check out art that we have posted on our walls. Wow, that's that's uh, it's so good. It really creates community, you know? And, and what about the concept of the tattoo shop? How did that come into your life? You know how we were talking about Europe earlier? I traveled to Paris and I stumbled upon this woman who had an art gallery. She was doing sculptures and paintings. And in the middle of all that, there was one tattoo bed. Okay. And I fell in love with that idea. I wanted to bring back a female-run tattoo studio, but also multiple mediums. Now, it's taken us almost 18 years to get away from just tattooing, but now we're starting to break into the other mediums. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting because it really feels like the tattoo shop is uh is basically a mirror mm. of what the core of filmmaking is you know balancing the creative aspect of the craft with the financial and rational aspect of the craft and how there is a, there is a storytelling aspect to it right in delivering the tattoo and making sure that everything happens correctly right it seems like you already know how to play the game you just need to figure out the rules of the filmmaking game from behind the camera in a way that's right i now that you mentioned that um i, I guess i've been directing but I've been directing a tattoo studio <laughs> yes, and yes. I've been ta directing tattoo artists and that art instead of uh, behind a, a camera. This is uh, very interesting because it feels like filmmaking can really be discovered in many different aspects of life. And, you know, that's the power of filmmaking, storytelling. It's really everything is a story. So mm -hmm. I want to ask you, what is your story? If you could summarize your story in, in, in a few sentences, what will be Lubia Peterson's story? Ah, oh, the evolution of a woman who is consistently asking herself, am I living 
my fullest potential? Mm-hmm. That's a huge <laughs> question right there. Isn't that a huge question? Well, it kind of is. And um, with that, I want to I wanna ask you something uh, related to the film industry and how the, the fullest potential you know, can really unleash in filmmaking. What is your dream project? Oh, wow. I mean, I've always been a fan of Sigourney Weaver and Linda Hamilton and those science fiction action movies. So um, one of my dreams would be to work with one of those amazing actors, but in a, a, a female protagonist driven story where there's action and fighting and vulnerability, everything that makes a woman uh, strong and powerful. I would love to act in a project like that. I'd also love to direct a project like that. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because you're also an acting teacher. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. How did that happen? Or like uh, that's acting is such a such a big, big, big topic, you know, and, and it's so interesting to see that there is many different approaches to it. How do you usually teach a class and what do you see in acting students? Right. So for me, being an acting teacher was very selfish because <laughs> um, I wanted to figure out this stuff for myself and I figured the best way to do it is to teach it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when I'm teaching other actors, I'm really, it is a mirror for myself. I'm, I'm asking of them the same questions I'm asking myself. And so um, I truly believe, and I didn't say this, but the teacher and the taught create the teaching. Holy moly, the teacher and the taught create the teaching. So where is the line between the teacher and the taught? That the line is constantly moving. Mm. So last week I had an acting class and I had these two students just really command the scene and take their space and ask for what they needed and they set the bar for the whole class and I was blown away and I learned something that night um, and that happens so often in class it's not a dictatorship <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh, that tends to be that doesn't tend to be to good things it doesn't lead to good things uh, uh, every time so usually it's the collaboration is key and it's good to see that collaboration can really bring to f to fruition so many beautiful things through the art of teaching right mm -hmm. and that's through the art of teaching any subject what would you teach if it wasn't acting oh wow cool um if it wasn't acting oh witch i track. know what i would teach <laughs> i know what i would teach survival camp i, oh, I really? like yeah i want to like go out in the woods with nothing but a knife and a <laughs> backpack and you know survive in the wilderness and build a lean-to and I'm a total tomboy. <laughs> I can definitely resonate with that because when I was uh, younger, I used to watch all those Bear Grylls episode and there was something about it. I don't know. There was something about it that was captivating, you know? Yeah. It, it seems like it's, um, it's a great way for humanity to celebrate nature. And that becomes, and I feel these types of shows or these types of approaches, you know, become sometimes disrespectful when instead of celebrating nature, mm. we challenge nature. Mm. And that's when I feel the line is crossed, you know? Do you feel like uh, there is a, a same concept with filmmaking? Yeah, I mean, just as you were speaking, I was like, oh man, this is such a metaphor for life. We're either surviving in nature and respecting it and working with it. And so if you take that into your life, you're either surviving in your life and working with it, or you're fighting against it, trying to force it, trying to will it to do what you want. And life won't do that. Life is life. So. Um, you know when you decide to do a project and things happen so easily, like case in point, the Harold Greenberg Fund mm -hmm. landed in my lap. 
literally. I mean, I worked on the application, but it landed. Whereas in past project, I've worked really hard to try to make something happen. It didn't work. It wasn't meant to be. Exactly. That's a great point. You know, there is a beautiful uh, saying uh, that really uh, explores the concept of there is going to be food for the bird. You know, mm -hmm. if there is a bird out there, it, it, it's because there is food for the bird. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing what, what you're supposed to be doing, if you're doing what you're meant to be doing, there is going to be uh, uh, something bouncing back at you. It's almost like nature will provide if need to, yes. you know, and I feel like this is a very important concept to embrace in such a dynamic, um, uh, such a dynamic industry really like Vancouver and even Canada and North America, especially for filmmaking. Yeah. Of course, it's a little bit more of a spiritual concept and it seems like, um, you know, many people out there might be saying, yes, but if you don't apply to funds, nothing's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So again, what is the balance between it's meant to be, but mm -hmm. I got to go get it? Oh my gosh. I mean, I guess it's your your persistence and are you enjoying yourself? That's That's the barometer for if you're balanced. Is there love and joy being sparked in your heart? If you're at home and you are full of hate and anger and frustration, find a way that you can still achieve the things you want to achieve, but with joy and love and collaboration. That is possible. Amazing. Wow, that's a great way to wrap up the first half of Room Tone the Radio Show here on Cop Radio 100.5 FM. And uh, here we talk movies, so if you want to join us here in the booth, shoot me an email at listentoroomtone at gmail.com. We talk movies here all the time on Thursday at 11 a.m. for one hour. We're going to catch up with uh, Luvia Peterson right after the break. So everybody, this is the soundtrack of Dirty Dancing. So before we get into Stay, uh, what is? Wh why did you choose the soundtrack of Dirty Dancing? I am a total 80s nerd. Dirty Dancing was such an inspirational movie for me. Um, I love everything about it. I, uh, I want to share it with you. Amazing. <laughs> so everybody, stay tuned. Everybody, this is a Room Tone, the radio show. We talk movies because we love it here on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Ruggiero, your host, and here we are with Luvia Peterson. We were talking about the film industry and the balance that it requires, so let's go back to it. Let me ask you, balance between rest and work in the film industry. 
it's important. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Next. No. Okay. Well, it's it's a it's a very interesting topic because we always ask ourselves, you know, how there are people out there really that are struggling with the idea of how much should I sleep? Right. How much should I work? Right. You know, because then if I don't sleep, I can't work. Right. You, you know, when you fly on a plane and they tell you that you need to if the air masks drop you need to put it on yourself first before you help anyone else i mean that's it okay that's a metaphor for life <laughs> you need you are no good to anyone especially as a storyteller if you aren't taking care of yourself um and this is reflected in everything in every place i see it's a truth that um if you look around it, it's everywhere Mm-hmm. Constant balance, constant mm-hmm. balance all over the place. And life is balance. Yeah. Do you think society is out of balance now? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're um, ebbing between too much and too little. I mean, here's the thing is like I find and, and I'm guilty of this uh, 100%. But uh, I used to wear my busyness like a badge. Oh, my God, I'm so busy. Oh, I, 16 hours this and that. And I don't have time. And I can't meet with you because and like. That's celebrated in our society, but why? Because you're running yourself thin. Um, I work out at this great gym, and this is a concept that they talk about there. If you uh, exert energy at the gym, you need to refuel with food and rest. Otherwise, you can't just go to the gym every day and work out and not take care of your body. It won't respond. It won't grow. So if you want to grow as a storyteller, if you want to grow as a human being, balance is the key to that. This is a great piece of advice that we, all, we often hear a lot, but never really sinks in, you know? It's so easy to just listen and have it come out of the other ears. So collect what Luvia just shared because it's, it's as she said, it's fundamental, it's crucial. And uh, it's so interesting that you mentioned about the badge, right? I've heard someone say here on the show before, you know, I feel like being busy is a state of mind. Yeah. I, I, I love that. It, it really is. And like <sighs> your body is trying to tell you and communicate with you where you are. It's telling you if you're balanced or not. So check in with it. You know, your body, mind and soul like these things. Uh, science is finally catching up to what we's, we've always intuitively known. If you're stressed out, you're not in good shape. Your body's not going to take care mm-hmm. of itself. If you're stressed out, it feels like you're running from a dinosaur. Do you know what I mean? And like what state does that put your body in? Adrenaline and it's not healthy. It's not recharging. So breathe. (laughs) Yeah, that's when uh, that's when meditation and really self keeping an eye for for the self. Yeah, it's when it comes in, you know, and whatever that is for you, because I know people who get busy with meditation. Well, I I swear, like or get busy with yoga and like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to. Is that really what your body is asking of you? So sometimes, this might seem cheesy, I put my hand on my heart and I say, what do you need from me today? And I listen and I give my body that. Mm, Amazing. So out there, if you're listening, ask yourself, you know, (laughs) what do I need? You know, not what do I want, what do I need? You know, ask yourself, am I I busy? Do I want this busy life? You know, is busyness something I want or not? Mm -hmm. And it will help you define your pathway, you know? It seems like we have a choice in life. Even if it doesn't seem like so, we always have a choice, you know? Mm -hmm. Seek what you need, you Mm -hmm. know? And everything else will come. So what do you need? What's your need out of life right now, Luvia? 
Um, well, right now I'm obsessed with this whole tidying up Marie Kondo thing. Have you heard about this? Uh, not really. Okay. Please enlighten us. It's, it's a Netflix special. Um, basically, I'm going through my whole home and I'm letting go of things that don't serve me anymore and keeping the things that spark joy. Mm -hmm. uh, these are the grounding principles of her work. And at first I was a little bit like, I'm not an early adopter of things. Sometimes I'm a little bit pessimistic, <laughs> but this uh, is really setting me up so that when I go into filming, that's all I need to think about. So I'm getting my, my house in order. Just removing the, the surface, you know, going back to the substance, to what you truly need. That's it. Yeah, that's absolutely it. When it comes to the film industry, though, it seems like there is so much content out there and it's too much. Mm. You know, it's almost like we don't need all of this content, mm -hmm. but we're also content creators and we really want to leave a mark. Right. Mm -hmm. What do you feel? How do you feel about that? I'm happy that there's more content because now there's more options. And so when I'm watching something that doesn't appeal to me, I don't have to waste my time on it anymore. You know, I've got nothing against, you know, diehard movies. I love those action movies. But you know what? Now I can watch an action movie with a female protagonist if I want. So I can be represented in the content now. So that's that's why I'm happy about and it. And representation is such a such a uh, incredible an uh, incredibly important topic, you know? Mm -hmm. What is representation and how do we feel represented, you yeah. know? Seems like uh, there is always there's always so many layers between who we truly are within yep. and what's the representation of ourselves outside and how we want to see ourselves represented out there. How can storytellers create that that space where mm -hmm. we can talk about this and really get to find a solution yeah i mean you know the age-old adage is like tell the story you know and everything will work out and you know our industry the business side doesn't always lend to that right we can write a script that is beautiful and amazing and it can never get made so i guess ask yourself what you want put your hand on your heart and go if i write a script if i'm a writer that resonates with me is that going to be enough or do I need to see a project made? Is that the goal? Or do I need to see a project sold? Is that the goal? What's your goal? Go towards that. Other doors will open. Mm -hmm. That's another great reminder. Feels like it's always a great way to recharge batteries here, you know, listening to, to so many people that have so much passion. Mm. And, and I, can really, I can really feel that passion here, especially, you know, in Vancouver. The community of Vancouver is so intimate. You know, the film community here is so intimate. And at the same time, it's so supportive. Mm -hmm. feels like really you're 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 protected you know you can do you can be who you are and be appreciated yeah you think this is something that can be found also in other places uh, in north america oh absolutely i mean your your team your family they're wherever you are and we were talking about this earlier that's what i'm doing now is i'm actively looking for my humans the humans i want to tell story with Filmmaking has its own challenge. Um, and so you want to make sure that the person to your left and the person to your right understand you so that you can work as a cohesive unit. There is a beautiful quote from the Italian army that now that you, you, you mentioned, you know, looking at your left and at your right. And the quote says, I have the great luck to be able to look at my enemy in the eyes. Mm. That quote is so profound. Because it stands, of course, underneath, they, they explain how you can look at the enemy in the eyes because you don't need to check on your sides that someone is there mm. and that that someone has got your back. 
you know that's filmmaking like as a director i uh, so change that and go i have the great luck to look at my story in the eyes oh yeah of course yeah you know it's perfect <laughs> i don't have to worry about uh, does the crew have lunch do we have insurance like my producer's taking care of that my ad is taking care of this i can worry and deal with story for sure the enemy is a, is a definitely a strong word that you know and, and and that's that's what i referred to earlier when talking about the film community here it feels like there are no enemies mm. you know the biggest enemy, as you mentioned earlier, you know, talking about your documentary, is yourself. Yeah. And uh, it's an interesting dance that mm-hmm. you that you experience with yourself, you know. And how that manifests outside in your life is another big question. But, you know, life is interesting because of the questions, you know. Answers are boring, you know. Yeah. All knowing <laughs> begins with a question. So, questions, rise, please, <laughs> rise, rise. Well, this is great, you know. We are um, approaching the end of the episode. And I'd love to get into the one-minute pitch. Oh, yeah. Want to make it happen? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to hit that clock. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So one-minute pitch from Luvia Peterson. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm pitching Witches of Vancouver coming out of the broom closet. Um, What's interesting about this documentary is we get to see witches as they are, human beings, not stereotypes. I'm interested in seeing um, uh, all these different walks of life outside of their stereotypes, you know? So we've seen witches as these old women in the woods churning a cauldron, and maybe that's one aspect of witchcraft, Um, but there's so many more layers. There's so many other keys on the the piano to play, and we've only ever played a couple of keys that refer to witches. Witches of Vancouver coming out of the broom closet is a story about witches. Amazing. Yeah, okay. There you go. Great timing <laughs> that right there. That ticking is freaky. It's, it's, I, it as can soon be. As, as soon as I heard that ticking, I was like, oh my God, something's going to explode. Be. I should have warned you about the ticking <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. That was a really good pitch. You know, definitely uh, exploring all aspects. You know, too much prejudice, as we said earlier. Mm-hmm. Too much bias out there. Right on. And we have arrived. We have arrived to the Proust questionnaire. So Bruce wrote down 35 questions, and we're going to pick five randomly okay. to talk about life, and okay. uh, let's just go for it. Kay. Let's just head that in. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. make it happen. All right. First question of the Bruce questionnaire for Luby Peterson. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> and, and when you say virtue, uh, how would you define that? Virtue, holy moly. You can take it in so many ways. Yeah. But I would say, you know, something that let me let me ask you something related to something that is being celebrated mm. in society mm. and is being celebrated in society. And, you know, is the most overrated. Ce- OK, uh, celebrated. okay. I, I would say piousness to be pious Go again to be pious. Uh, uh, I'm going to have to help me. Define that, OK, that. That <laughs> I, um, I would say the most overrated virtue is ah. The most overrated virtue is being definitive about one thing. Mm, okay. This Does that ties, make sense? Like this ties pretty well. If, yeah. if, if it's what I'm thinking, it ties pretty well with the whole conversation that we've had so far. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, essentially going, um, you know, let's take religion. My God is the right God. Mm. You know what I mean? Anytime you stop being curious and you stop examining, you're like, that's it. This is just the way it is. It shuts you off. It disconnects you from other human beings. Interesting. All right. And that takes us to the second question of the Proust questionnaire. If you could change one thing about yourself, 
what would it be? Mm. Um, my feeling that I'm not doing enough. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's a very, um, I, sometimes I can resonate with that, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, there is, again, there is so much happening around us and we're getting bombarded with information, you know, yeah. and, and it feels like we're not doing enough. Yeah, like what we talked about balance, that is a new thing for me. Um, I was that person that wore the badge on my shoulder and went, look at how busy I am. Aren't I, um, aren't I great? Does this make me worthy? And what I've realized is uh, <clears throat> I've got to put the air mask on myself before I help any passengers. I have to rest. I have to balance. Um, so, yeah, learning to let that go. Letting go is another big word, eh? Mm -hmm. That leads us to the third question of the Proust questionnaire. Very, very interesting questions here. That's, uh, that's, uh, we had a very, very um, profound conversation uh, in the past uh, 40 minutes that really explored so many different aspects of filmmaking and art and um, these questions seem to be bouncing back to that very, very uh, interestingly. Yeah. So third question of the, oh, okay. This one I just came across. I got to ask it. Mm -hmm. What do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. The lowest depth of mis misery. I guess for me, it has to be feeling alone feeling like no one is going to pick you up, <clears throat> feeling like you have to do everything yourself. Um, when you're isolated like that, it, it's a very lonely and miserable place. And the world just doesn't work like that. You know, nature helps itself out. If a tree is sick, other trees will feed it nutrients, you know. Um, we see examples everywhere in nature where animals and plant matter, they're all supporting and helping each other. And so being reminded of that. But yeah, feeling feeling unsupported. Unsupported. Mm. Mm. That's sometimes also something that, that might pop into filmmakers' minds, you know, people from the film industry, you know, because again, everybody's so busy trying to get their thing done, you know, and, and they forget about supporting other people around. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever experienced any moment in your career where you've been supported greatly mm. yeah i've been really really lucky um i mean the first show that i had a series regular uh, part on was the showrunner's name simon barry <clears throat> and i feel very supported by him because he had another show and he wrote a part for me on that show and if that's not support if that's not belief in what you do i don't know what is that's great you know that's a that's a wow that's quite special right there that's mm -hmm. awesome and has there been a moment in your career where you really felt like you needed that support but it wasn't there mm. i would say early on in my career um you know just because someone's an acting teacher doesn't mean they should be an acting teacher and so I've stumbled into a few classes that didn't support me personally the way I needed to be supported. Mm. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I ended up learning invaluable lessons about what I didn't want. So maybe it was a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? No, who's to say what's good or bad? But I've definitely, there's been some classes that I didn't feel supported in. Interesting. What, and, and how does that tie up to connecting with the acting students that you have? You know, what do you seek into an acting student and where do you see the potential for an acting student to really build a career? Yeah. So um, as a teacher, 
<clears throat> I often will jokingly call myself the custodian. I turn the lights on and off. <laughs> I make sure the space is clean. I set out the chairs. But what you learn is up to you. Because if I am some guru that's, you know, helping you get to certain places, but you don't know how to experience those things on your own, then I'm not teaching. I'm grabbing you by the arm and shoving you into something. There's been no growth. There's been no experience for the student. So they are their own teachers. Mm -hmm. and, and how do you define success in acting? Mm. You know, you look at students, you know, and it feels like, Many times acting and acting's career is a lottery ticket, <laughs> right? Yeah. How much of it is actually a lottery ticket and how much is actually about uh, merit? Mm. <clears throat> I think success is personal. Um, so it, it all depends on what your goals are. And, you know, my goal early on was to be a part of good storytelling. I didn't know where that was going to happen. I didn't know how that was going to happen. And for me, it's happened in indie films. It's happened on stage. It's happened when I've worked for free. That is my success, being a part of good storytelling. The monetary things, the big house, the pool, the celebrity status, those things are so empty Superficial. Superficial, mm -hmm. yeah. So for me, it's the difference of taking the stairs versus taking the elevator. <laughs> the elevator can <laughs> drop nice. out at any time. But once you've climbed a step, you own that step. That's yours forever. No one can take it from you. That's that's really good uh, anecdote right there. Mm. I really, really enjoyed it. That's <laughs> that's awesome. Let's get into the third que question of the Proust questionnaire. And this is also very interesting. Um, might actually be the fourth question of the Proust questionnaire. But anyways, <laughs> I want to ask it. Yeah. Which historical figure do you most identify with? Oh, my gosh. Joan of Arc. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. How come? And because, I mean, I always uh, tell my friends this. I'm, um, I love to lead people. Um, but sometimes I lead them on blind faith. And I don't really know what the outcome is. I don't know where we're going. And the joke is, too, like, I'll be in a city I don't know at all, and I'll be the f at the front of the pack. We're going out for dinner, let's say. I'll be leading, and then I'll stop and go, oh, by the way, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> um, but yeah, in all aspects. you know, I think that's partly why I, want to, I love directing as well. Mm -hmm. I love leading. I don't necessarily know where we're going to end up, but follow me. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the game as well sometimes. you know. If you want to lead, you have to have that faith into life, that faith into the universe that whenever you step, you're creating your path, mm -hmm. you know, and there is no right answer, no right direction. It's always about the direction that is 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 correct for you and mm -hmm. the people around you, you know. Mm -hmm. And you know, it feels like there is this beautiful scheme where it takes and puts uh, the direct the role of the director at the front of the arrow and the producer at the back of the arrow, you know. Yeah. And then there is the DOP and the AD and the PD that create the arrow of the team, right? Yeah. And it feels like there is always again a balance between the direction of the arrow from the from the from the front of the arrow the director trying to understand the right direction to go and the producer in the back keeping things in place do you consider yourself more of a director or a producer oh definitely a director mm -hmm. um i'm good at producing because i'm good at organizing i have an a-type personality uh however that's not where my joy lives i see this interests me because it goes back to the to the theater show that you yourself uh, produced and directed uh, right. a couple of years ago is that right that's right, yeah. So the, the whole team of us, we self-produced, really. And we all took, um, sh it's 10 short scenes, so we all directed our uh, all different scenes. 
Um, yeah, I had no idea how difficult theater was going to be, <laughs> but that's what I love about life. Ignorance is sometimes, ignorance is uh, such a gift. I started my tattoo shop with ignorance. I didn't know the difference between GST and income tax when I started that business, <laughs> uh, but it saved me. Had I known how difficult it was, maybe I wouldn't have gone for it. This is another great concept, like filled with with beautiful life bites. You know, this episode is very, very, very color, very saturated because many things I resonate with, you know, and I feel like ignorance sometimes is is a gift. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, at the same time, I feel ignorance cannot be an excuse, you know. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what's happening in the accessibility that we have nowadays, mm -hmm. ignorance cannot be an excuse as well. And that's about balance again, right? How do you feel about about that? Yeah, well, it's for me, uh, surrounding myself with diverse people is the solution to that. So getting out of my comfort zone, m diversifying my friend group protects me and educates me and informs me so that I have many different perspectives, not just my own privileged one. Mm-hmm. Very, very wise. Very wise. Awesome. <laughs> Let's go to the fourth question of the Proust questionnaire. Okay. I have one more that I want to ask you after this one. Okay. This is, what is your greatest fear? Oh, being alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely isolated. Um, yeah. I, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever seen an elderly person walking down the street, struggling with groceries. I find that so sad, and I wonder where's their team, where's their family, where's their community, and I have this fear of growing up, all my friends and family passing away before me, and there I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have any children, I don't plan on having kids. Um, thankfully, my sister's 13 years younger than me, so that'll help, mm -hmm. but yeah, I have this total fear of being alone. Mm -hmm. Loneliness, definitely a very, very uh, sharp word. Yeah. Again, uh, for 2019 especially, you know. Uh, have you ever experienced a moment where you were extremely lonely? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm lonely often, even when I'm in a big group of people. Mm. And those moments are when I am afraid to connect because of my own limitations, because my guard is up, you know? Oh, I don't want to not sound cool, so I just won't say anything. That's a very lonely place. Um, I found that when I'm authentic, when I'm just myself, um, that I don't feel lonely at all. I can connect with anyone. I have to say that this is another acute observation because it feels like even Vancouver, especially for what Vancouver is, it feels like you can meet so many people, but you can also feel very lonely as well, right? Yeah. And that's an aspect of Vancouver, right? And, and I know you've been traveling across Canada, Canada throughout your life. Mm -hmm. How do you see this apply throughout Canada? Yeah, I actually had the privilege of driving across Canada this summer. We mm. took two and a half months. We went all the way to St. John's. Amazing. <clears throat> and what I found is smaller towns, people look at you in the eye, there's less cell phones, and people actually speak to you. And there were way more connections bigger cities um people lose themselves you know and so i made a big effort when i came back to try to stay eyes up as much as possible heart cracked open as much as possible and i was like oh it'll be interesting to see how long this lasts how long this cracked open version of luvia lasts <laughs> i think it's still there a little bit not as much as it was when we first got back but it's so easy to get lost back in and become an introvert again it's interesting you mentioned becoming an introvert. Do you feel we are born introvert or extrovert or we fade in and out? Oh, I, I mean, look, no two-year-old child is an introvert. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, yeah, mostly, like, check out any two-year-old. They're, 
they're so like they touch everything they put everything in their mouths they want to learn everything mm -hmm. and I believe introversion is really taught putting mental health stuff aside I believe uh, introversion is taught that's a great 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 uh, um, you know uh, I would say it's, just, it's an interesting statement mm. you know uh, Picasso used to say we're all born artists and then society teaches you're not an artist anymore mm -hmm. um, but also there's this this other side of myself that tells me look at some uh, I, I've, I've come across some kids you know that that um, they explore the world but they stand in the on their side they're really really um, I would say um, they really create their own space and they don't get out of it you know mm -hmm. um, and and that's when I ask you know is there that sub subconscious knowledge that really gives us a personality you know and provides mm -hmm. us with a personality do we have that personality before we're even born <laughs> or is it something that we come to to meet as we are here in this world right and yeah. it's it's these are questions that you know the the answer is not the important thing the question is the most important thing about those and I guess we got to celebrate the question and celebrating questions the last question of yes. the cruise questionnaire that I'm going to ask you for today is what is your idea of perfect happiness oh my gosh beautiful um perfect happiness for me is not pressuring myself to always be in happiness it's allowing moments to exist um and not judging them and so for a, a long time you know i was reading a lot of eckhart tolle and deepak chopra and checking out oprah winfrey and uh what was happening was every time I would feel sad, I would judge myself for that. I'd be like, I should be thinking positive. This is this sadness is my own creation and shaming myself for that. But now what I've come to realize is all emotions are valid. In fact, all emotions are necessary. And if we start turning the volume down on the emotions we don't like and turning the volume up on the emotions we deem worthy, then we're turning the volume down on aspects of ourself that need to be seen and heard. And that's going to hurt us in the long run. That's some awesome film motivation right there from Luvia Peterson. And here we are on Room Tone, the radio show, Cop Radio 100.5 FM. I'm Ruggiero, your host, talking movies because we love it. Luvia, thank you for joining us today here. It's been a pleasure to have you for the past hour. Um, any shout outs before we wrap this whole burrito? Oh, wow, that's lovely. Uh, shout outs to the Vancouver film industry and um, reach out to me if you're a filmmaker and if you have an idea. I'm looking for my team. We're going to put uh, all of these uh, links and information and just connections to what we talked about in this episode in the description of the podcast. You can find us on roomtonepodcast.com. Here we are every Thursday at 11 a.m. Uh, this has been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy spending time here in the booth. Every time coming, uh, diff different guests coming here in the booth, it's a pleasure. So I'm happy to wrap it up with the soundtrack that Luvia chose for us from Dirty Dancing. This is I've Had the Time of My Life. Now I had the time of my life. No, I never felt like this before. Yes, I swear it's a truth. And I'm only 